Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. You're here because you're excited as we conclude our sermon series on patterns. How many of you have been enjoying patterns? Uh, This has been an excellent time to just kind of dive deep into the Bible. And I know it's a lot. I know we're hopping from the Old Testament and the New Testament all over, but it's because we're showing you there are patterns in the Bible, patterns from the Old Testament to the New Testament, patterns from, from the creation of Adam to, to Jesus coming to earth. And if you've, if you've been here these past couple weeks and, and you've loved these, guess what? We've got a great message on patterns today. If you've hated it, well, today's the last day and we'll move on after that. And so we're excited that you're here. Um, we started two weeks ago looking at the patterns of sin. A lot of times when we're in dangerous situations, when we're in problems, what do we do? We, we revert to bad habits and we make wrong decisions. And we looked at how Abraham made the wrong decision again and again, and his son followed in that same pattern. Last week, we looked on the pattern of escalation. I love in the the Bible, we don't just see patterns, we see escalation. God is moving in his people. It went from Elijah to Elisha. And Elisha says, I don't want just your portion, Elijah. I want a double portion of your spirit. And then John the Baptist came in. And John, it says, the Bible says there was no one greater before John. And then John was pointing the way saying, he who comes after me is mightier than I. Talking about Jesus. And then lastly, Jesus said, greater things will you do talking to his disciples there on earth, and he's talking to you and me. Greater things will we do when we ask things in the name of Jesus. We're called to escalate and to further God's kingdom on the earth. Last week, we said that typology, I'm going to get heady for a minute, and then I promise we'll explain this, okay? Typology with patterns, there are two features uh, with typology. Number one is historical correspondence, and secondly is escalation, like we talked about last week. I want to start today by defining a term that is used throughout the Bible. It's called a chiasm. A chiasm is an extension of parallelism that provides a structure and boundaries so that you can see those patterns through Scripture. A chiasm is a way of arranging ideas in the Bible to highlight those patterns. It helps us to see them. Uh, If you think about um, like a poem, Sometimes there's a rhyming scheme, right? There's an A, B, A, B, A, B, B, A, something like that. With a chiasm, what you'll see is something like an A, B, C, B, A. If I've completely lost you, let me give you an example. Uh, Remember week one, we talked about the sister fib, uh, the story of Abraham, right? Remember that? Nod your head if you remember. Even if you don't remember, just make me feel better. We talked about, let me show you quickly the chiastic structure uh, of the story of the sister fib. Go ahead and bring that up here. We're going to see at the top and bottom, hopefully, there it is. Okay, I know this looks like a lot, but I'm going to try to explain it. The top and the bottom, you see a genealogy. Those are the same things. Those are, that's a pattern, right? Underneath the g- genealogy of Terah is the beginning of Abraham. There was a blessing for Abraham, the, the land, the sea, there, there was a blessing. And then next happened was this, the first sister fib, the very first one. And then it gets into Abraham and Lot working together. And then it progresses into three different kind of characters. You have Eleazar, you have Hagar, and you have the covenant with Isaac. That becomes kind of the middle of it. And then it backs out. Then there's another part where there's Abraham and Lot 
then there's another sister fib, and then that blessing that was up at the top of Abraham and the promise of the seed, we see that fulfilled. It's restated with the birth and offering of Isaac, and then you see the genealogy of another person. Do you see those patterns? Does that kind of make sense? Okay, if that one makes sense, you will understand the one we're going to look at today way better because that one's a harder one. But I wanted to show you one that we had kind of looked through a little bit before. And so today's message is actually called the chiasm of creation. Just as there was a chiasm of the story of Abraham, there's a chiasm of creation, how God, both in the past has been at work and now in today as at work in our lives. Are you ready to look at the, the creation chiasm? No one. Okay, great. Well, we'll keep going. Okay. All right. All right. Just make sure. Good. Maybe a second service will be ready for that. Okay. Let me show you the first one. Bring up the, the, the next slide. Number one is the creation of the cosmic temple. Now, before you get weirded out, when we say cosmic, we're not talking about Scientology. We're not talking about anything weird. That simply means the universal temple. It means that God intended for the whole world to be his temple. Do you know that in, in the beginning of time, God intended to walk and live on this earth? Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. It says, talking about Adam and Eve, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Adam and Eve, they could hear the sound of God walking in the garden. God created this world to be his temple, the entire world. Unfortunately, when Adam and Eve sinned, it hindered their walk with God. God cannot be in the presence of sin because he is holy. And so sin separated us from the presence of God. So instead, God made a new plan. He had the designs. Look at, go to the next slide. Number two, it went from the creation of the temple to the tabernacle and the temple becoming microcosms. God said, okay, I still want to dwell with my people, but sin separates us. And so what happened is that God chose Israel as his holy people. God met with Moses and Israel on Mount Sinai, and he gave them the plans to the covenant and the instructions for the temple. Now, if you want to talk about patterns for a moment, for a moment, there, there are seven statements in the book of, in Genesis chapter one, where it says, and God said, let there be. And then if you go to Exodus, when God was speaking to Moses, there are seven statements where it says, the Lord said to Moses as he gave him the instructions to the tabernacle. There's a lot of parallels between creation at the beginning of time, and the creation of the tabernacle. There's even similarities in the completion of the creation and the tabernacle. Go to the, the next slide. Here's two differences. You see Genesis and creation, and on the right side you see Exodus and the tabernacle. Look how similar the language is. Genesis 1.31, it says, God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. Exodus 39, Moses saw all the work, and behold, they had done it. Genesis 2.1, thus the heavens and the earth were finished. On Exodus side, all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting was finished. Uh, there, there's two more on the next slide. It says, on the seventh day, God finished his work. In Exodus 40, it says, so Moses finished the work. And lastly, in Genesis 2.3, it said, God blessed the seventh day. And in Exodus, it says, then Moses blessed them. 
You see, there's there's patterns between God's creation to God's creating of the tabernacle through Moses and his people. The tabernacle and and the temple, these were were a great solution, but it was a temporary solution. It was still not God's long-term plan. He then initiated the next step of his plan by number three, he sent his son, Jesus, to earth. Jesus became the fulfillment of that temple. Jesus fulfills the temple because he becomes God in the flesh, right? You, you could see God. You could see Jesus. People then could speak to him. It went from God having the universal temple on the earth to God reduced to this tabernacle, this temple place where people could meet, to you could see Jesus face to face. But even this was not the end of God's plan. It was through Jesus' life and death and resurrection that now he defeated sin Then Jesus ascended to the Father, and he promised that he would send the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. The fourth point is that the church becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now see, two and four, they're very similar. The Old Testament had the tabernacle and the temple. The New Testament, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. We don't have to go to a specific place. The Holy Spirit goes with us, and we walk every day by faith with him filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, you cannot be born again apart from the Holy Spirit, right? When it says Jesus, when he was leaving the disciples, he breathed on them. He gave them the ability to be born again, and the Holy Spirit came in them. That's separate from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But if you're a believer in Christ, you you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And lastly, number five, is the cosmic temple of the new creation. One day, we know where we're at right now is the New Testament church. This is not the end of our world. This is not the end of our life. One day, God will create a new heavens and a new earth. And the cosmic temple, the universal temple, will be of all of new creation. The same creation that was intended in Genesis 1 and 2, where it was a clean, perfect realm of life. If you look at Revelation chapter 21 and 22, it also depicts a perfect realm of life. And just as there was in the beginning, at the end, there will be no sin, there will be no death. Isn't creation, isn't that, 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 that's the creation chiasm. Isn't that so cool? I think that, okay, I think it's cool. You see the top and the bottom, the combination, they, they parallel one another. Two and four, they parallel one another. And where did everything change? With Jesus in the middle. That's where everything changed. And so with this in mind, if you've made it this far into the sermon without falling asleep, why don't you give a pat on the back for yourself? You've made it. The rest of this makes a lot more sense, if you can get this. Everyone's still with me. Nudge a neighbor if they look like they're falling asleep. So we're going to move through this framework as we look at the chiasm. We're going to focus on the Old Testament and the tabernacle. We're going to focus on here today in the New Testament of the Holy Spirit. At the end of the book of Leviticus, Moses is sharing with the people of Israel what God has said about his promises to stay faithful to them and to keep his covenant with them. And this is what God says to his people. Read with me from Leviticus chapter 26, verses 11 through 13. It says, I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul shall not abhor you, And I will walk among you and will be your God, and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their slaves. 
and I have broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. This passage right here, we're going to look through this passage, three promises, three plans, three patterns that we have seen and we will continue to see throughout Scripture. We're going to refer back to this today, but read that first verse again. Verse 11, it says, I will make my dwelling among you and my soul shall not abhor you. We're going to go fast with these three. Number one is the pattern of pardon. The first pattern that we see, it says, God God says, my soul will not abhor you. My soul will not reject you. One of the two reasons that God instructed Moses to build the tabernacle, to build the temple, it was so that we could sacrifice for our sins. In the Old Testament, they had to, they, something had to die for our sins. An animal had to be sacrificed. Now, in the New Testament, thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit. He convicts us of sin. But even in the Old Testament, when we had disconnected from God, God desired to find a way to pardon us of our sin. Thankfully, the sacrifices of animals in the Old Testament, that, that was temporary, And then God sent his son Jesus to die for our sins. And so when we acknowledge Jesus as Lord of our life, we experience that forgiveness. We don't have to go to a tabernacle. We have Jesus has taken the sins of the the world away. And this is what it says here. This is what Jesus was saying in John chapter 16, verse 7 and 8. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Jesus came to take away the sins of the world so that we could live in the power and the freedom that he gives. And then he sent his Holy Spirit to convict this world of sin. In the Old Testament, the the temple was there so we could receive the pardon of sin. But in the New Testament, Jesus has conquered sin. And now the Holy Spirit, we become the temple. Did you know that? It goes from going to a temple to we become the temple. And so our first point is that God pardons us of our sin. There's a pattern throughout the Bible of him finding ways to forgive his people of their sins. And number two is the pattern of presence. I told you there was two reasons there was a tabernacle built. Number one is so that we could go and we could ask for forgiveness of our sins. But number two, it was so that we could dwell in the presence of God. I love that God loved us so much that he created a way so that we could draw near in his presence and move away from sin. Look back to Leviticus 26.12. After it says, God will not reject you, he says, I will walk among you and will be your God and you shall be my people. To me, it's one of the most humbling things that from the beginning of time to now to the end of time, God is always looking for ways to draw near to his people. Any other religion, it's the other way around. People are pursuing God. They're trying to seek him. God came. He said, you don't have to find me. I'm right here. The one you've been looking for is Jesus. I came for you. I've been seeking you out. It's the pattern of God's presence throughout the Bible. Jesus came to earth to dwell with his people as the temple. 
One time he was speaking to a crowd of the Jews and he said this in John 2, 19. Jesus answered them, Do n- destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Jesus became flesh. He dwelt among us becoming the temple for atonement and the temple for his presence. God was no longer found in a place. He was found in his people. Paul goes on to talk about how we are the temple. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Look at 1 Corinthians 3.16. He says, do you not know that you are God's temple and, and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Paul says definitively that the Spirit of God dwells in you because God's temple is holy, and now we are meant to live a holy life. That is our responsibility. It's the least that we can do after all that God has done for us, making a way for us to come back into relationship with Him, be in the presence of God. Can we live a holy life? Can we choose to follow God with our, with our lives? This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3. If you go three chapters later, he gives you a specific application for how we can live a holy life. He says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, he says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Remember, 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says we are God's holy temple. Here, three chapters later, he explains how we should treat our bodies because we now know it's God's holy temple. And and this is just one example, right? We we know sex was designed for one man and one woman. We see that from the beginning of time. That was God's original design. And sex outside of marriage, it is sinning against your own body because you're causing your body to do what is unholy when your body's meant to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, sexual immorality, it's specifically pointed out here, but I hope We can think of many other ways of how we need to be careful to treat our body knowing it's a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? We need to be aware of what we're putting into our body. That's that's why we're against excessive consumption of alcohol. It's, It's why we're, the drugs, the things that you put in your body, it will affect your mind. It will affect the way you think and your actions. Be careful what you're allowing into your body. Be careful what you're allowing into your mind. The things that you watch, the things that you focus on, your thought life. This Tuesday is Halloween, right? Last I checked. And I'm not against anyone dressing up to be Spider-Man and get candy, okay? I'm not against that. But we have to know some of the connotations of what other people may use that holiday for. Celebrating the dead. There are satanic communities that will use that as an opportunity. So be careful, be alert, be mindful what you allow into your life. Guard your heart. 
getting quiet out there. I'm not trying to be that convicting, okay? We have to be careful what we do. Later in, in his letter to the Corinthians, Paul actually, he actually takes that verse from Leviticus and he quotes it to the people. He says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty." If our body is the holy temple of God, if we have decided to live our life for Christ, there has to be some type of separation in how we live our life and compared to how the rest of the world lives theirs. It says, therefore, be separate from them. Let's go back to Leviticus for the last point today. We've seen the pattern of pardon. God forgiving us of our sins. We've seen the pattern of his presence And lastly, look at verse 13. It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt that you should not be their slaves. And I have broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. Remember earlier, before this point, the the Israelites had been slaves in Egypt. They lived under the oppression of the bondage in Egypt, but God saved them. And then there was this exodus from slavery in Egypt. This was a symbol to our slavery of sin. God used Moses to deliver his people from physical bondage, but later Jesus would come and he would do what he always did. He would escalate things. And the people at that time, they said, you've come to save us from Roman oppression. You've come to deliver us once again. And Jesus said, no, I'm sorry, you're mistaken. I didn't come for physical bondage. I came to break your spiritual bondage. I came to give you freedom over sin. And and these are not the only times that God delivered his people. If you look in the Old Testament time and time again, the Israelites would go in battles and they would fight the enemies that wanted to kill and destroy the people of God. And when God went before them, God would give them victory over those nations. And when God gave them victory, they would plunder those nations. They would take the items of that nation and make it an offering in the building of the temple. And our last point today is that there's a pattern in the Bible, the pattern of plunder. I know that sounds weird, but let me explain it to you. Israel did this over and over again. As they built the tabernacle and they were wandering the wilderness, they would they would have to tear down that temple and then they would set up camp and they'd build it up again. And when God allowed them to defeat enemies, they would take back those those items and they would use it to build the tabernacle. Later, the same thing would happen when, when David became king and Israel was established as a nation. They would amass great wealth from defeating other enemies and they used it so that Solomon could use it to build the temple later on. That pattern of plundering the enemy has continued into the New Testament. If you remember about a month ago, we had missionaries from Africa here, Gary and Janice Dickinson. 
And they said that we're supposed to bind the, the strong man before we can plunder the house. I want you to know that Jesus came to bind the strong man and he plundered the enemy. And when he plundered the enemy, what he was doing is he was taking back those who were in captivity like you and me from sin. And now he uses us to build the temple of the Holy Spirit. Can you believe how powerful that is? This is what it reminds me. This is what I felt like God spoke to me. He says that God intends to build you up with what the enemy attempted to bring you down. That sin that you were enslaved in, now when God sets you free, it becomes a platform for your testimony to go and to break the bondage of others. The Bible says in Revelation that we conquer the enemy through the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Does anyone here have an, a testimony of how God saved you from sin, how he plundered, Jesus plundered the enemy and brought you back, and now you're part of the temple of the Holy Spirit? God is so good, amen? Over and over again, God would defeat the enemies in the Israel, that came against the Israelites. He would kill them, plunder the enemy. It built the temple in the Old Testament, and right now Jesus is building the kingdom and the temple of the Holy Spirit today. These patterns, they're powerful reminders that we have a God that's greater than anything we go up against in this world. And I don't give you patterns and I don't bring up these words in different terms to learn just to puff us up with more knowledge, but to see the power of our God that over and over again, there's a pattern of pardoning and forgiving us of, us, of our sins. There's a pattern that there's a God that wants to dwell with us and be in our pre presence. And there's the power of God that plundered the enemy for you and me. Worship team, would you come up as we close today? So I ask you with all this information, what is our responsibility as a result of what God did for us? Look at Leviticus 26, 13, the last part of that. It says, I have broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. We are supposed to, because of what God has done, we're supposed to live and walk upright before God. If you think about shackles, they would typically make you hunched over you couldn't move, you were, you were stuck, you were in shambles. And now when God breaks that off you, what happens? I can now stand and I can walk upright, not because of what I've done, but because God has broken off the bondage of iniquity in my life. We are called to live a holy life. And I thought the best way for us to end today, the best way for us to end this series on patterns was to end by taking communion together. If you didn't get communion when you, when you came, would you slip up your hand? We'll, we'll have some ushers come and, and pass out uh, those uh, elements. Communion is simply taking a moment to remember what Jesus did for you, the sacrifice he made. Maybe we've made some mistakes. We, we have not treated this body as the holy temple that it is. And today we can get right with God. Here at the gathering, we, we, we have open communion. Simply means you don't have to be a partner or a member here. You have to say, I have a relationship with Jesus. That's all you need. So we're gonna take these elements in a moment. I'm gonna ask you, where are you at right now? Have you acknowledged the, the pattern of God's pardon in our life? Have we acknowledged his presence in our life? Because when we think about God always being with us, it should make us live differently. It should change us. And remembering that anything that's come against us, God has plundered the enemy.
There's no longer the power of sin over our life. So we're gonna close a little bit differently today. We've made room in this end of service to, to take our time with this, but the worship team is gonna lead us in a song. I'm gonna ask you to pray to God, say, God, search my heart. Help me to stand upright in all that I do. If you need to remain seated to pray, if you wanna stand up and worship, you can do that. If you need prayer, I'm gonna be right up here at the front. Something's going on in your life, you're struggling, you need someone to agree with you in prayer, I'll be here for you. Let's just worship for a few minutes. Let's take time to posture ourselves before God. God, we thank you this morning. What an opportunity to come before you. We are humbled by an almighty God that sees us and loved us so much to send his son to the earth, to the cross, to die for us all. We thank you for this. I pray that you would bring to memory what we said about the Holy Spirit. Would you convict us of sin today? Help us to live a holy life in response to all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.